turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, it is all about sex after grief, navigating your sexuality after losing your beloved. I have a special guest, one of my favorite sex educators on the planet. She does a a lot of work in aging and sexuality. She's probably the number one voice on sex and aging. Uh, She'll be joining us. uh, She just released her latest book, Sex After Grief, which of course nobody ever talks about that part of uh, recovery. Uh, so, uh, I think, uh, she'll have some really interesting things to share, uh, with our listeners. So tune in for that. But first time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. Before I answer your questions at 514-800, or you can email them to me, laurie at drlaurie.com, I want to remind you that if you would like to attend our event on August 23rd, it's our big passion 20-year anniversary party. Uh, So we're going to have a big bash at the station. It's uh, with a live broadcast. It's by invitation only because we only have uh, so much space. Uh, But I am going to be giving away tickets to the event every single night. All you have to do is text me and include your uh, first name at least. Uh, and let me know why you would like to go to our event. Uh, we're going to have uh, all our regular contributors, or many of them, will be there, and you'll be able to speak to them individually if you'd like. We'll have performances by Stephen Voice, Melissa Plett, and Dolly Blonde. Uh, Dan Laxer will be emceeing the whole thing. We'll have a couple of booths, or exploration booths, I call them. Uh, one of them will be uh, a kink booth, another one a sex toys booth, so you can ask questions, and just got confirmation that renowned artist Eric Waugh will be doing a live painting, uh, which will later go up for silent auction on Facebook. So I'm really excited to have Eric there. He's a, a an incredible artist who has uh, been in the World Book of Records and, and has done all kinds of live painting of very famous musicians. I own a few of his paintings, so I'm happy to have him there. We're also going to play Dirty Minds uh, to win some fabulous prizes. Our Some of our sponsors for the event include Cook and Date, who will be providing a wonderful dessert reception. Uh, Poppin' Balloons will be decorating the place. Uh, we have uh, certificates to give away our prizes from Capino Physio Wellness Center, 360 Punch, uh, restaurants uh, Vivaldi, Del Frisco's, Otavio's. We have sex toys to give away, WeVibes, books. We have tons of stuff, So, and, and everybody gets a, a little gift bag when they walk in as well. So if you want to join us, August 23rd from 8.30 to 11.30, uh, and you want to be on our guest list, just text me right here, right now at 514-800, and let me know why you would like to come to the event. All right, let me answer a couple of questions. Um Are there any health benefits for the penis, whether you are circumcised or not? I am not circumcised and never had pain or urinary infection to my penis. My last female partner loved to stroke my penis, but I was scared because knowing that my skin, my prepuce doesn't go down, I would have to tell her, be gentle and don't pull it down. Also, when my partner feels like being on top of me, I feel a little pain because I guess my skin is attached to my penis. I feel more pleasure when she rides me when I wear a condom. I'm not sure if what I'm describing is normal or not for a man 
in my uh, position. So it, it sounds like you're having trouble um, pulling your foreskin back. Generally speaking, if there's a little bit, if there's some kind of pain, you might want to have it looked at. It could be something called phimosis. Phimosis is basically the fusion of the foreskin to the uh, the shaft of the penis or the head of the penis, and they can do a very small procedure to release it, basically, uh, and maybe that will cause you uh, less pain. But generally, it's not. Uh, this is not a problem. Uh, there are certain health benefits. Like I, it's hard to, like, it's a whole um, controversy to, not controversy, but a whole debate, right, on circumcised versus uncircumcised. I can only tell you from studies where they had um, men circumcised in, I believe it was in Africa or somewhere, uh, like adult men circumcised, and they uh, were charting the rate of HIV uh, transmission and, and getting HIV, and they found that by circumcising men, you were reducing the risk of uh, contracting HIV. So, uh, there's, so maybe, um, a circumcised, an uncircumcised penis has, uh, I guess more mucous membranes, more, more moist areas for, uh, diseases or infection to propagate and to, to, you know, to, I mean, you need, you need a moist environment for a lot of these, uh, infections. Uh, but, Otherwise, it's not neither one. It's it's not a um, a huge you know like you you should get circumcised or you shouldn't get circumcised. It's a very individual kind of choice, and it's something you you have to look within yourself to see what you want. Now, if there's an issue, if there's a problem which some circumcised men do have th these problems with phimosis and some of them are more serious than others and do require circumcision as um, an adult. So something to uh, to think about, but you, you might just want to ask your doctor if there's any kind of pain. Uh, somebody says, I'd like to see what the studio looks like. Well, I'm not sure if we're going to be offering tours of the studio, but may I'll speak to the bosses and see if that's a possibility. We're going to be doing our show live, but on like from the party, our party room, basically uh, in front of a studio audience rather than doing it in studio. Uh, so it'll be a different, uh, a different way we do the show. Uh, I read somewhere that many bo baby boomers are getting STIs. Do ba baby boomers get checked by doctors regularly according to research statistics? I'm not sure about the research statistics, but I could tell you that it's true uh, that in the senior population, there is a rise in STIs, and mostly because it is not a generation that was brought up on condoms uh, for, for many, or they were with one partner and didn't need condoms or only thought of condoms for protection uh, against pregnancy. And so they forget about the whole safe sex thing. So even baby boomers and aging individuals need to be educated about, especially if they're sexually active, about what safe a safer sex is all about and how to protect oneself. I do go into seniors uh, or um, uh, retirement residences, you know, the 
all those big retirement places. And I give talks. I give talks on senior sex and I give talks about uh, uh, how to protect yourself. And I bring condoms and I show how it's done and we have a whole discussion about it. And at the end of it, I give condoms away and they take them. So I know that, uh, yes, seniors do have sex and they do need uh, to, to be protected as well. So now it's time, forget about having the discussion and the sex talk with your kids. It's time to have the sex talk with your parents. Um, <laughs> hi, Dr. Lori. I'm in my early fifties. I listen to your show on a regular basis. I was with the same partner for 24 years. I'm single now and I'm ready to explore my sexuality. I would love to go to your event and explore all new possibilities. Uh, yeah, it's not a dating event. I have to say it's, uh, you know, you can network for sure, but it's not specifically anything about dating, but, uh, we'll put your name into the draw, Vicky, of course, uh, no problem at all. And if you'd like to go, just text me at 514-800. Coming up, we will talk with uh, Joan Price, the world's number one voice on sex and aging, and talk about her latest book, Sex After Grief. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Joining me right now is, I believe, the world's number one voice on sex and aging, Joan Price. Just released a new book called Sex After Grief, Navigating Your Sexuality After Losing Your Beloved. A difficult topic, to say the least, but one that needs to be uh, discussed. Absolutely. Joan, I'm so happy to have you on the program. I am so happy to be here with you. You do such wonderful work. And you. <laughs> I love your work. Uh, all right. This is, uh, I, I've, this was a difficult journey, I'm sure, and a difficult book to write, huh? It was. It was. I lost my great love, my husband, in 2008. And it really wasn't until just about a year ago that I felt I was ready to write a book like this. But I had always wished a book like this existed when I was going through my grief journey and trying to figure out how to reclaim myself after losing the person who is so important to me. Absolutely. But why is it that uh, we just don't, we don't talk about this, forget, we don't even talk about senior sex, so except, you know, a few of us who, who venture into that world. But now you add the the grief part of it and the widowhood part of it, and that's even more taboo, isn't it? Yes, it is. In preparation for writing this book, I read at least parts of every grief book I could get hold of, and I almost never found sex addressed at all. Wow. And if it was addressed, it was addressed with a sentence, a paragraph, or maybe an admonition, don't do something you'll regret later. There was no no understanding that we are sexual beings and to be fully realized people in our own lives, in our own worlds, we have to bring that back to us in some way. And yes. and the way we bring it back isn't gonna be the same for everyone. So there's no way that just a sentence or a paragraph is going to be helpful to us. Or even talking about it, like even like who do you 
you know, who do you talk about the sexuality part of it? There's so many myths around, so many judgments, uh, even when it comes to anything to do with uh, senior sex, but especially after losing somebody where people are looking at you like, what, you're talking about wanting sex? That's, what do you mean? Exactly, and I'm glad you said the word myths. Because I have a whole chapter on that, myths about sex and grieving. Good place to start. The myths that other people tell us Mm -hmm. and the myths we tell ourselves. Good, let's talk. The right time or whether it's even appropriate to be thinking about it. Um, So I I give a number of the myths and then the truths as I see it, which are very different. (laughs) Let's talk about some of those myths, Joan. Okay. So, for example... Um, one of the myths that other people tell us is to wait at least a year before having sex with a new partner. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't really come from anywhere valid. I mean, it's, it's a good idea not to mix finances or, uh, or decide you want to, I don't know, do something that you can't undo. Right. But whether it's time for you to be sexual is absolutely your own timeline. It's when you're ready. Um, sex is comforting. It's an outlet for your emotions as well as a physical outlet. Right. And there's nothing wrong with you if you want to have sex right after your beloved's death or, or not for eight years. There's nothing wrong with you either way. I love this uh, and, the, this paragraph in there where that's in the book that says, some people feel frenetic sexual energy and yearn for a sexual outlet right away. Some start dating immediately, some gradually, some not ever, some withdraw from sexual possibilities, some share their bodies but not their hearts. Many give themselves sexual release to the fantasy of their lost loved ones. So there's no one way to do it is really what you're saying. That's right. That's right. So part of what I try to do in this book is to affirm whatever way is working for you, but also to give you a lot of options and a lot of information if you haven't found a way that's working for you. And what do you say, Joan, to the people around you who are uh, judging you, watching you, thinking, holding on to some of these myths? What are the answers you give them? I actually have a list of answers. Would you like me to read Yes, yes. (laughs) Because we often don't know what to say. These people are usually, not always, but usually well-meaning. They think they're helping you. Right. By giving you totally useless and sometimes destructive (laughs) advice. So um, here's what I say to them. If they're close friends, tell them the truth about your reasons or don't. If they're casual friends, feel free not to respond. Or if you prefer, shut them down. If they're hurtful or toxic, shut them down and or avoid conversations with them. Some examples of responses you might give. I grieved a long time while my partner was ill. It's time for me to live again. Ah. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to date again. I'll know when I am. I'm moving forward in my own timetable. This doesn't need fixing. I'm perfectly capable of making my own decisions. I like that one. I know you're concerned about me, but you don't need to be. We have differing opinions about what I should do. I know that worked for you, but we're not the same. That's private. Thank you for your concern. (laughs) I'll let you know if I need your advice. Thanks. And then ultimately, that's not helpful. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'd be a little harsher than any of those. (laughs) 
<laughs> knowing oh, my I'm you're so very funny. kind joan <laughs> <laughs> what would you say Dr. i'm not i can't even say it on the radio i got <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Joan Price is my guest. The book is Sex After Grief, Navigating Your Sexuality After Losing Your Beloved, just released and a very important book. I know I get lots of questions from older people who are just getting back into the dating scene after a, after a loss or even after a late, late stage or a silver divorce, if you will. And sometimes they, they, some of those same issues come up. So those are some things I want to talk about, Joan, with you too, is how do you, you know, how do you get back into that whole dating thing? Uh, but first I want to find out, so you, when you wrote the book, you talked to a lot of, uh, grieving widows and widowers. Like, how did you go about, about doing this? I have a newsletter and for, for any of our listeners, they can go to joanprice.com and there's a button to click to sign up for my newsletter. So I asked my newsletter subscribers if they have experienced the loss of a partner, or the death of a partner, I specified, if you've experienced the death of a partner, um, and would you send me some snippets of your experiences? And then I gave them some possible subtopics they might want to tell me about like dating again or caregiving your partner or how did you know when it was time to start dating um, or what was first time sex with someone new like. And they sent me such wonderful stories. Uh, you'll see in the book, or you probably have because you've, you've already got your yes. copy, uh, that, that I have so many different kinds of stories. Some are funny, some are really sad, some will tug at your heart. And some will be very informative. Oh, yeah, now that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Many of them are inspiring. Many of them who went through the darkest, most profound time came out the other end. I don't mean we're ever over grief. We don't get over it. We get through it. Okay, yeah. But at the other end, there is some light. Right. And at the other end, there may be, there may be someone or someone's or many people who will, as my uncle put it, bring color into your life. Mm, that's a nice he way of putting it. He lost his wife for 58 years and, and then, um, then married someone else, and we were all very surprised. Mm. And he said, I will never stop missing my wife, but she brings color into my life, right. he said about this new person. I just saw a story of a, a, a couple, a hundred and a hundred and two just got married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so lovely. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about, like, do you, um, is it true that men after, uh, after losing a spouse are much quicker to get involved with someone else, much quicker to marry than women? I know anecdotally it's what I see. I'm not sure if there are any studies to back that up. Not sure if there are studies. I've heard that anecdotally too, but I hate to, I hate to generalize by gender because we're all so different. That's true. And and for example, um, some of my grievers, who are men, were, care, were caregiving their partners for years, right? Before their partners um, died, and so it may seem to someone on the outside, well, that was fast. 
You're on OK Cupid after a month. My God. Yeah. But it wasn't long. It wasn't. It was four years of grieving. That's right. I've seen that same situation. Before the partner died. Exactly. So I wouldn't generalize by gender, um, but and there are a lot of. Well, I guess I would say there are a lot of people of any gender who want to be in another relationship quickly. Some who, many who think I don't ever want to be, but I I still want to have some intimacy. Right. And so there are lots of ways to do that too. There isn't just one relationship model That's right. that will match what you need now, despite what you might have had before with your beloved. Right, I've, and that's an important point. Right, and I have known some people who, women, men and women alike, who older women who have said they don't, they just don't want to be alone. So they immediately find somebody else and and get into a relationship because they really hate the idea of being alone. And then you have others, I've met others who lost a spouse at a very young age who never dated after that. Never, never, mm-hmm. never got into mm-hmm. a relationship. And so they're really, mm-hmm. the, it's amazing the the range of, uh, of experiences that people have had. Joan, hang out with us for a while. We're just going to go to our, oh, uh, our newsroom and we'll talk about getting into uh, dating and how you're you know, the first time all over again. Does it feel like being, you know, a virgin all over again? We'll find out. Uh, Joan Price is my guest. Sex After Grief is the book, Navigating Your Sexuality After Losing Your Beloved. Her website, joanprice.com. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. How does one begin the process of dating after the loss of your beloved partner? Uh, once you're, well, grieving never really stops. It's a process, of course. Uh, and as Joan was saying, you uh, you go through it. You don't get over it. Uh, Joan Price is the author of Sex After Grief, Navigating Your Sexuality After Losing Your Beloved, wrote this book but with the accounts of her own journey and also many other grievers who had gone through or who have gone through this process. So dating must be something that's quite daunting, especially for some who have, who haven't dated in decades, let's say to go right back into it. It's a new landscape. It's a whole new world. Where does one begin? begins, I think, internally. One begins by looking at what is it really that I want right now? Not in the future, not for the rest of my life, but right now, what would nurture me? What would support me? What would make me laugh? What would make me tingle? And to maybe think before even starting to get out there and dating, what kind of relationship would be right for me at this time? Given, given what I'm going through, given what it feels like, what would be right for me right now? Because let's say, and I heard from a lot of people who had maybe only been with one person for the last 40 or 50 years. Right, exactly. And then, oh my gosh, how do you even think about that? Well, one thing to think about is that you're not trying to replace your partner. You're not trying to replace this person who was who, who you loved for all these decades, or even if it was not so long that you loved for that time. Mm-hmm. You are just trying to go broaden your own experience, 
nurture yourself as a fully realized human being. Bring laughter and intimacy back into your life and to experience sex if that is the way that you decide you want to go. And even when I say that, I want to stop and say, well, what I mean by experiencing experiencing sex, that also doesn't have to look like it did with your other partner. Right. It's not all or nothing. I think that's such an important concept. You might think, well, I'm not ready. Let's say it's a, um, a heterosexual woman. I'm not ready to have intercourse with a new man. Well, you can be sexual. You can express yourself sexually and experience sexual pleasure without intercourse. Right. You can decide... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I just uh, I've had a few people who texted into the show uh, in the recent months who uh, have gone through that process, who uh, have been widowed, and then started going on dates and not knowing the expectations. They're like, uh, you know, I went on a date with this person, and this man like was already propositioning me for sex. I'm not ready for that. Like, what? Can I get to know somebody first? And it was. It was really scary because they weren't prepared for that. Well, the best way, I think, is to learn to use your words, yes. to be proactive about that, rather than letting this new date decide what's going to happen and then reacting to that, to be proactive and even say, you know, this is my first date in, in 45 years, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm just dipping my toes in the water and trying to see what this might feel like so we're not going to get serious it's just gonna be a date and see what that feels like okay and if that's not okay well then let that person move on right exactly but i think we need to give people a voice also and let them know they have a voice to be able to say what they want and and be able to express that without fear right yeah right and i do give as you've seen, some sample conversations, sample ways you can you Good. can say to so let, let's say you're on a third date. Let's say the first date went really well, and so you had another one, and then you had a third, and you thought, oh, well, you know, <laughs> this I'm starting to feel a little excited being with this person, but I don't know how much I'm ready for. Well, it's okay to say to this person, I'm attracted to you, but this is really new for me, and could we just kiss without expectations? Mm. Yeah. You can set your own guidelines. Right. And I, or yeah. we, we talk about consent a lot, but often it's talking about consent with young people. Right. And this book is not limited to older people. Um, many of the grievers are, not all of them. Right. But, um, but when we talk about consent, I think what we need to talk about is enthusiastic consent. It's not just, is it okay if I do this? Uh-huh. It is, <laughs> do you really like, do you like what I'm doing? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> right. You know, we want, it, we want to try to elicit enthusiastic consent. And we also don't want the women to think that, of course, anything goes with the guys. So it's right. just up to us to object or not. Well, no, the guys are vulnerable too. Right, right. Is it is it easier to date other grievers, uh, Joan? I think it is. And when I was starting to date again, I decided I was only going to date widowers because I thought only a widower can understand how I'm feeling, mm. will be sympathetic if I 
lapse into present tense talking about Robert, or if I am laughing and then suddenly I start to cry, or if a certain song comes on and I can't bear it anymore and I have to leave. Another widowed person would understand that. Now, I live in a small town, so it turned out that that just limited the dating pool too much. But if you're in a big city like Montreal, yeah, I think you could do that. You could limit your dating to other people who have lost their spouses or lost their partners. And then you have at least that in common. Right. And what about, about, uh, because I've also seen this difficulty with uh, people who have not experienced it, but who are dating people who are widowed. Uh, And there are particular challenges. Mm -hmm. I, I have a chapter on that because often the people who are dating a griever don't know how to handle it when, for example, they go in this person's house for the first time and they perceive it as a shrine to right. the deceased partner. Right. They, oh, the photos are all over the place. There's the wedding picture. There's the urn. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's instant withering, right? Right. But, but what they have to understand is they're not in competition with the loved one that was lost. That's not a competition. Because if it were, they'd lose. The new person would lose. So if they just don't come on realizing this, this person I'm dating is very vulnerable. The best way for me to handle that is to keep asking what my date is feeling and what is going on. And, and, and even to say, should I be asking, or would you like just to be left alone with your thoughts when, when you look sad? Right. You need to have the conversation so it's not as it's not the elephant in the room. It's not something yeah. that isn't talked about. Don't make it the and elephant you, in the room. Yeah. You don't want to make it the elephant in the room where oh well, I better not bring it up. I mean, yeah, right, my date has forgotten that she lost her husband. No. <laughs> yeah, that's no, not no, no, not gonna happen. Uh, coming <laughs> up with Joan Price, uh, the author of Sex After Grief, Navigating Your Sexuality After Losing Your Beloved. We're going to get into the uh, nitty gritty. Your new first time so navigating sex so we've gone past the dating now we're going to go to the date to the to the sex part passion with dr Lori batito on cjad 800 my guest tonight is the number one voice top expert on sex and aging senior sex in the world, Joan Price, she's wrote, uh, she's written several books on sex and aging, and her latest one, Sex After Grief, Navigating Your Sexuality After Losing Your Beloved, is in great demand because it's the only book that has that topic, <laughs> the only one. Uh, Joan, I want to talk about the sex now. We talked about All the right. dating, so we got past that. We are able to meet somebody who we want to have sex with, how do you begin that very first time? How did it feel for you? Well, <laughs> like was it nerve-wracking? I, I had a few I had a few first times. Oh. Because I <laughs> no, I, I mean that's a funny way to put it, I guess, but I see them that way because there was the first time when I really wasn't ready. So what I learned was I really wasn't ready. Ah, okay. There was the first time with someone else who wasn't ready. So I learned how to maybe guide him 
to enjoy the pleasure without having any goals. Okay. And then there was the first, you know, there were there were these different first times, and I think that that's possible for other that other grievers will experience it too. That it isn't like um, being a virgin and then not being a virgin, right? <laughs> which of course doesn't make sense anyway. It never did, but <laughs> just in the way we see it, it's. Um, I think we get ready in stages. So if the first time maybe that we have sex with someone, uh, as, as I did, it resulted in me just crying. Wow. Because it wasn't, it wasn't the man I wanted to be having sex with. The man I wanted to be having sex with was dead. Right. Oh. And uh, this man did everything right and was very loving and, and very understanding. And I don't remember, honestly, whether I cried in front of him or it was after he left, but it was a it wasn't a bad experience because it was the kind of thing I needed to go through in order to have the next one be better. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. You needed to learn what, what like you yeah. said, when you were ready, what you needed. Absolutely. Because there, in fact, that was there was a time before that where I thought I was ready and I had the sex date with someone that I had been lovers with a long time ago, and he just happened to be in the. A nearby city again after a long absence and I thought well that's going to be perfect mm-hmm. and then it couldn't go through with it right I, I just couldn't do it and so that again um that was the first time but it was the first time that didn't happen but it was okay that it didn't because we could talk about it in fact when I told him I just I can't I th- I thought <laughs> I would I, I'm an, I, let me try that again. I thought this would work. I thought it would be really sexy. I even chose my underwear with care <laughs> and brought condoms, but I just can't do it. And he laughed at the chose my underwear with care. But he, he said the nicest thing anyone could say. He said, tell me about Robert. Oh, he gave and you space. And that was like yeah. making love. That was like making love to have this man who was expecting sex to instead just put that aside and give me that kind of caring and support and warmth. Yeah, you 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 hope you hope that most people would act that way and out of that kind of kindness, you know. Yeah. So it's important of course to choose someone that you can trust in your vulnerability because this is this is vulnerable. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. And you have a chapter on it's not all or nothing. Talk to me about yeah. that. Well, I think this is really important. That so, so often we make the mistake of thinking that, and this is one of my soapboxes, not just about sex after grief, but sex in general. Mm-hmm. We are assumed that when we say having sex or being sexual or sexually active, that if we're heterosexual, we're just talking about PIV, penis and vagina. Right. That is only one way to be sexual. There are so many ways to be sexual. In fact, I have a whole webinar. It's 90 minutes long, and it's called uh, Great Sex Without Penetration. Oh, love it. And I I did not run out of things to say. (laughs) There's so much that we can do to pleasure each other, to pleasure ourselves, that doesn't have to be the, in quotes, all. Right. Or nothing. And also... 
you're absolutely right. And when you think about it, if you think about, um, oftentimes people are in their later years, so you, you may encounter physical issues where penetration is That's difficult, right. whether there's erectile dysfunction or whether there's a, a dry vagina or whatever it is that it's, they have to navigate that part of it too, which is also scary because when you're with your when you were with your partner, it was a, you know, could have been a non-issue. It was just, it was fine the way it was, but now you're going, venturing into a whole new world with a whole new partner with all kinds of yes. expectations. And you're wondering, is it going to work? Yeah. You know, just That's the functional, right. just the function. Really good reason to take the goals off the table and say, let's just spend this time seeing how we can give each other pleasure. Could we do that without having any goals? Right. Absolutely. Because, you know, being older, we would encounter often with um, with men of our age that they would say, well, I can't keep an erection with a condom. Well, there are other ways to do that. There is the, recept- the uh, receptive condom, the so-called the female, female condom. condom yeah. mm-hmm. Yes, which is worn in the vagina. The, the penis doesn't wear it. But there are also so many things you can do without penetration and without without penetrative sex and therefore not needing the condom. But if we can just get to the point of being able to see sex as giving and receiving pleasure and sensation and not see it as the goal. Did you have sex? Well, no, we didn't. Well, I had two orgasms, but that wasn't sex. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yes, let's just look at it as the playground for pleasure, and that's okay. We are. <laughs> Joan, playground for pleasure. That's right. We've run out of time, but uh, I want to direct our listeners, of course, to your website, and they can find out more about the book and, and get more information. We just whet the appetite right now. Uh, JoanPrice.com. Joan, keep up the amazing work that you do. Oh, thank you very much, Dr. Lori. And the same to you. Thank you, you so much. You great work there. <laughs> thank you. Take care. Speak soon. Uh, that's Joan Price, the author of Sex After Grief, Navigating Your Sexuality After Losing Your Beloved. One of the uh, top, I would have to say, really top sex educators on sex and aging. She just writes beautifully and has... Uh, really prolific in her writing about sex and seniors, and it's uh, it's good stuff. So follow her, get her newsletter, you get all kinds of info. Uh, just a reminder, August 23rd is our live broadcast and 20th anniversary party. If you want to attend, you'll have to text me at 514-800, but not now because it's almost the end of the show. Text me tomorrow and every night up until the 23rd, and I will pick some winners. Tonight's winners are Pete, Napoleon, and Vicky. Congratulations. We will see each other on August 23rd. You're going to get a phone call from my assistant and who will give you all the details. Uh, but every night, your chance to win uh, win tickets to, uh, to our special broadcast. 
Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. Uh, uh, thanks for uh, spending your, I know your time is precious, so thank you for spending it with me. Uh, thank you to our technical producer, Chris, tonight. Uh, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito. You can go to my website, drlori.com. There's a form there that you can fill out, which is a contact me form. So if you have questions, you know that I answer questions at the beginning of every show. So if you have questions that require a little more than a text, just send Send them to me uh, by email through there and uh, tune into the beginning of the shows and I will be very happy to answer whatever questions you have about love, sex, or relationships. I want to wish you all a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Stay.